we're, we're going through kind of, as we, as we lead up to Easter, we're going through the, some signs in the book of John, and so we're calling it seven signs. And it, it says this, kind of to jump ahead, John 20 says, uh, starting verse 30, says, Many other signs, therefore, Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing in him, you may have life in his name. And Jesus did a lot of things. Uh, he, and he did a lot of miracles, a lot of signs, couldn't even write them all down. But the signs that we see in the book of John, and we see seven uh, le- leading up to Easter, reveal who he is, and, and it's so that you may have life in his name. Uh, we have this new life. When we, when we understand who Jesus is, and we give our life to following him, it gives us this new life. And, and so in, in John chapter 4, we're going to jump ahead. Now, I know we just finished the Matthew challenge, where I challenged you to kind of to, to read Matthew, but if, if, you, if you want to kind of jump, you know, again, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four stories of the gospel, the stories of Jesus' life are in there in the Bible, first four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, kind of similar. They call them the synoptics because they're kind of, they're telling similar stories, they're kind of different angles and things, and you know I love each of them uh, for who they are. You know, Matthew is really a lot about, this is, you know, he shows a lot of fulfillment with, with the, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. Um, Mark is like very, like, he, they think it may have been written to the Romans because it's so, like, straightforward. It's like, I call it the ADD gospel. There's no details. He just stays on focus. Uh, and then Luke is great because Luke just kind of brings out how the Spirit's doing things. And, you know, I, I love that. But John is, again, he's one of these kids is doing their own thing. John kind of takes this different look at things. And it was, uh, and, and I, I love it. So, you know, even though you just read Matthew, you might kind of just kind of settle in and read, read John. And when you, it says, you know, you might be able to figure out where we're going next to kind of give context to, to some of these things. And so we're only in chapter four. You don't even have to read a chapter every day, like with the Matthew challenge. There you go. Uh, and so you can text me if you want to know where we're going next. <laughs> um, but Matthew, uh, no, not Matthew, John, <laughs> he got me on the Matthew challenge. Uh, you know, John, John chapter four, starting in verse 43 says, at the end of two days, Jesus went uh, on to Galilee. He, he himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his hometown, yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. Now, it's kind of like, you know, a prophet is not honored in his hometown. And I, I struggled with this scripture because I'm from here. Like, literally, at one point, I think my mom lived across the street. My dad's from Camden. My mom's from Wyoming. It's like Romeo and Juliet that they got together, you know. Those of you who know the history of the two towns. But, uh, but you know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm from here. And it was, it was weird starting a church in your hometown because I remember this verse. And I'm going, oh, no, are people going to, you know, like, can you do that? And it was funny because this guy came up to me one time at a church. And he's like, you know, it's, um, you know, it says a prophet's not honored in, in his hometown. But you really have that in your hometown anyway. I was like, Whew, that's good because he didn't know I was thinking about planting a church. <laughs> um, but uh, and it's kind of like if, you know, some of us, you know, if, if you knew the president as a kid, well, that you'd be really old at this point because our president's older. But, you know, if you knew the president as a kid, it, it's hard to kind of sometimes maybe see them as a president, right? Because you, you've seen them like pick boogers and, um, you know, all those like things that kids do. You know, if you've changed someone's diapers, it would then be hard to see them as the president. And, you know, you, you kind of, they say familiarity breeds contempt. Sometimes just knowing people. And so even though, you know, Jesus kind of grew up in this town, and I, I wonder if sometimes it's a little bit of jealousy too. Because, you know, who does this guy think he is? You know, he was just, and because if you look at Jesus's life, he led a very normal life. Now we have miraculous birth. 
You know, and we, we did that for the Christmas season. We talked about, you know, kind of all kinds of cool, miraculous things for Jesus being born. And then, like, we don't see anything in the Gospels till he's like 12. He shows up, you know, his parents lose him in Jerusalem, which is a funny story, because, I mean, you want to talk about pressure. You just lost Jesus, the Son of God, in Jerusalem. They, they left, they left, it went a day. Now, who, who here has left their kids somewhere? I mean, I've left my kids, but okay, no, I'm the only one that's going to admit it here. Um, you know, my, my kids are too old. You can't call child protection services on me. But, you know, there, there's times you leave your kids somewhere. You, you, you leave a party. You didn't realize they were still there. You get back. You know, you leave them at the grocery store. I mean, I'm just saying it can happen. It, I'm, none of us, because you guys are all perfect. But, I mean, they left the this, this Son of God. They, they left Jesus in Jerusalem one a day away. But they found him, and he's, like, teaching and hanging out with the, the, the scholars in the temple and all that. Uh, and so, kind of, and then he, but you really don't see anything then until he's 30. It's funny, if you like, uh, there's all kinds of literature that's written about the time, you know, Jesus, uh, like kind of later, people try to fill in the blanks because there's nothing for Jesus, and they tell crazy stories. Uh, but, but really, there's nothing that happens. That he's just, he leads a normal life, and that's the point. Because, you know, we, again, with Hebrews, I'm going to bring Hebrews back in because, it, it, uh, you know, we, we just finished, well, we didn't finish Hebrews. We, we, we took a pause in Hebrews. It's a book of the Bible uh, that says men should b- make the coffee, but um not Hebrews. Okay, for those of you who hadn't heard that joke. It says, you know, so then since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we did, we do, yet did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. Jesus just, he, he kind of lived that normal life, and that he understands the temptations, the pressures, and the things we have. Now, it's it's not all the same stuff. Like, he didn't have to worry about, should I text during church? Like, some of you are struggling with that right now. You're like, should I text during church? Or, you know, or you, know, you can just say you're looking at your Bible. I'll believe you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> she is, though. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's not the same things, but there's, you may not have the same physical thing of, like, do I text at church, but, you know, am I distracted during speaking? And so Jesus didn't go through the exact same situation, but the same kinds of temptations, right? And that's, you know, and so for 30 years... He just kind of lives a normal life. And, and so sometimes maybe the people in his hometown are just like, what's this dude? He's just a carpenter. He's just, he's just the guy who builds houses, and now he's going around teaching? You know, what's this guy think he is? Uh, I don't know, son of God. But <laughs> uh, so, and that's kind of how I picture it. So John chapter 4, sort of verse 46. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. And, and we talked about that last week. You know, many people hear that, hey, Jesus, he, he, he took uh, these big stone jars and made tons and tons, you know, maybe eight or nine hundred bottles worth of wine. And, and so people kind of heard about this kind of thing. Uh, and so there was, he came to Cana where he turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. And when he heard Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. And, and you know, and this government official comes. Now, there's this tension with Jesus and the government, right? Because he's kind of doing the, these messianic things. Big, you know, the Christ, Jesus Christ, we call him Jesus Christ. It's not a name, but it's a title. It mean, it's the Greek version of the Hebrew Messiah. He was, he was the anointed one to come. And, and so Jesus is coming. He's doing some things. And, and there begins to be this tension between the government and Jesus. So here's this official who sees and hears what Jesus is doing, and he, he kind of comes over to check him out, and it was a little bit of a risk, because the guy probably worked for Herod, uh, and it would be like if you worked for the Democratic Party, 
and went to go to a Republican official for a favor. You know, I was trying to think of like modern things, but, but in, a, in a time period where the king had a lot more authority and power. Now, I don't like, I don't like to get political here. We blame the president for things, whether, which side of the party, for things that sometimes they have no authority over. They got a lot more authority in those days. It would be like, I don't like you, you dead. <laughs> uh, we, ours generally can't do that, although I know there's conspiracy theories. We're going to stay away from that. But, <laughs> um, you know, he'd heard this stuff. Uh, he comes to Jesus, and it, is, it says, you know, uh, you know his, his son is, is sick, and um, he comes, and Jesus says, will you, uh, you know, he comes, and he says, will you, will you never believe me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? And um, now, it's kind of, when we read that, who do we think he's addressing? No one wants to answer. They're like, I might have it wrong. And Jeff's going to tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> but it's, it, it's kind of, it, it sounds singular. And that's the, the problem with English is we don't have a y'all. Uh, <laughs> so if you, it, it's, uh, it, the, the U is plural in Greek, which is the, the original language of the New Testament here. And so the, the new Southern Delaware version would be, will y'all Never believe me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders. Not just, not just the one guy, but, but everybody. Or the Pittsburgh version, I was going to give a shout out for those Pittsburghers. You know, will, will Yins never believe me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Some, some of you get it. Are you Pittsburghers? Yes. All y'all? Texan, the New Texas version, will all y'all never believe? I know there's a whole bunch of Southern, like, you versions. Um, hey, it's you version. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> And so it, it's sort of this sort of a matter-of-fact statement. Now, we, uh, you know, some of you know, you saw some of the pictures I posted on Facebook. We were traveling a little bit this week. Uh, we did a college visit out in the Midwest. And uh, it's very interesting because we stopped at Chick-fil-A when we got back because it's not open today. We figured that was our opportunity. And we'd been flying all day. And I didn't want to pay $80 for a chicken sandwich at an airport, <laughs> um, which they're not really that high. But it feels like it. You know, it's like you're getting a bottle of water. You're like, that's $4 for a Gatorade. Wow. Uh, anyway, uh, it sounds like the temple stuff right, <laughs> that we talk about. But, you know, you go to Chick-fil-A, and how, what do they say when you pull up to the drive-thru or everything? The, like, you know, they're like, how may I help you or something like that. I don't know exactly what they say. And that's kind of what I was expecting. We went to a particular uh, fast food chain, and Josh and I just started laughing because I pull, I pull up the window, though, and he's like, yo, what, what, what chicken you want? And I'm like... This is a national chain. Well, it's a regional chain. I'm like, I did not expect to be greeted by yo <laughs> and what chicken you want. But it was funny because that's all they had on the, I didn't realize. And some of you know, Raising Cane's, some of you know this. It's like all they sell is chicken fingers. It's got a really kind of cool story about the guy uh, doing it. And, and so, you know, I was like, I'd like a burger. No, uh, I, I, I laugh because, you know, they, they know why you're there. You want something. And they don't pretend to uh, be nice to you. They're just like, yo, what chicken you want? <laughs> and I, I, we were just cracking up. We were like recording stuff, sending it to Denise while we were in the car there. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, I, I kind of picture that for Jesus here. He's like, yo, what miracle you want? <laughs> be, be, because, you know, hey, I'm doing all this stuff. And he knows that some people are really just there for the show, right? You kind of, you go, they're kind of hanging around Jesus because he's doing some cool things and they have some misunderstandings about what he wants. And so he's like, yo, y'all, what miracle you want? <laughs> Is that what you're looking for here? And, you know, it's funny because, you know, why wouldn't people want to see signs to believe, right? Like if you were to say, I'm a superhero, 
if you were to say that, what would I want to see? I want to, I want to see a fly. I want to see laser eyes or something, you know, you just tell me you're a superhero. Okay, show me some proof, right? Or like those of us who are gym rats, you know, I, I have kids all the time. They're like, you know, I squat 700 pounds. I'm, oh, really? Let me see it. <laughs> uh, you know, do you hit parallel? You know, and I'll, I'll load the weight for you. <laughs> um, but, you know, some of you are power lifters, get it? But, uh, you know, you, gotta, it's, you want proof, right? If somebody's saying stuff. And, and, you know, in life, sometimes we want things for selfish reasons too, right? I went through Chicago O'Hare, and I had never, I don't think I'd ever seen this before, and I had to stop in my tracks and take a picture. I posted on Facebook, um, for those of you who follow me on Facebook, um, a Lego vending machine. I know, go on, see it. It's, I, there, and I, I'm sure it's like, people on long international flights stuck in O'Hare, I know they're like, okay, $80 is worth the peace of mind that I don't have to talk to my kid for the next couple hours. But I'm thinking all these pieces and you're gonna lose them in o, Chicago O'Hare or you're gonna try to build them on a plane. I'm just thinking all, but I, I went in and I, I could not help. I wanted a large, you know, Lego Chuck Taylor uh, or whatever it was. And you know, uh, you know, a Vader head, you know, Darth Vader. I, I, I wanted it, but I wanted it for selfish reasons, right? I mean. I, that is, we, sometimes we have kids just so we can get Legos and stuff and play with them still. I'm not, you know, that's one of the, the advantages. Uh, I just want it for selfish reasons. I'm not going to stand there and say, you know, God, give me a sign, a, a, a Vader Lego head with that sign, <laughs> you know, because I would just want stuff. And that's kind of sometimes when people came to Jesus for miracles, they really just, they kind of wanted stuff because often signs won't satisfy us anyway because you kind of have your mind made up one way or another. Um, often signs won't satisfy, you know, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I try to stay out of certain issues, but if some of you believe this, you're just wrong. The flat earth people, <laughs> I'm sorry. You, 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 some of you were like, I'm really a flat earther. I don't, I really don't care. But you know, it's funny because if you're a flat earther and there's people who literally believe the world is flat, like we're living, I don't know. It's just, you know, and they, it doesn't matter what evidence you throw at them. They're, they're not going to believe. You know, they'll explain all kinds of things. Well, it's actually, you know, da da da, da. And it's like, it doesn't matter what math you throw at them. It doesn't matter what facts you throw. They're just, no amount of proof will work. If you believe the earth is flat, uh, it, it's often not rational, but you'll believe it anyway. And a lot of these people come to Jesus. They already have their preconceptions about what to believe about him. And it didn't matter what sign he was going to give them. They weren't going to believe it anyway, right? Uh, and, and so... Um, uh, and a lot of them just hang out because he does cool stuff and they want to get free things. And, and, and so, you know, he seems to be testing the official a little this question. But and, and as he tests the official, the official says this. Uh, the official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Now imagine the desperation. I, we kind of see probably where the story's heading because if you've read the Gospels enough, you know Jesus does some cool stuff. He heals people, yada, yada, yada. But imagine for a moment, those of you who have kids, picture yourself, um, your little kid, I don't know how old the kid is, but like he's, you know, think, picture him sick. And there's nothing worse when your kid is sick, right? I remember like, man, my, my, my kids were sick and it's like, I never understood what my parents must have gone through when I was sick. But it's like, you're just like, your heart's like, there's anything, you would trade places with them in, a, in, in an instant, right? Be, because they're, they're sick. And imagine in, in this society, they don't have the advanced medical stuff we do. So they're sick and then sickness leads to death uh, when, when you don't have medications and all kinds of things. And, and so you picture that, um, you know, <laughs> Josh is no baby now. It's funny because we were flying 
and uh, we, I, the Lord provided. <laughs> I got really cheap plane tickets. It was cheaper for us to fly there than to drive there, which was our original plan. So I'm glad because we would have just driven up this morning and preached, and who knew what you'd get if I just preached after getting out of the car. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, you know, we're flying, and the, 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 uh, the, the flight attendant comes up, and they, they invited me to move because, of course, we get you know, Josh and I walk onto a plane. We got the worst seats because we got last minute really good fares. And we go to the back to sit against the one seat that won't recline. And we got a big dude sitting there already. I mean, it's like, and so we're all like sitting sideways. Like this is going to be a very, very long flight. And the, the stewardess, or she comes up to me and she's like, hey, would you, a flight attendant, I know that we, they've changed the names. I, I try to get, keep these things in my mind. But you know, she's like, um, hey, would you like to change seats? I got one up here. And I'm like, well, I want to, I know, I know he doesn't look like a little boy, but he's still my little boy. <laughs> I know he's as big as me now. <laughs> but, you know, he's, you know, it's like, you know, there's something, you know, I don't want to leave my son. He looks big, but he's like his first, you know, flight as an, a, a technically an adult. <laughs> Sorry, buddy, you're still my little boy. <laughs> but, you know, it's, you know, he, he's big, you know, and it's, it's still hard, even as a, as a big boy now. And some of you have followed the saga with his ear that exploded during wrestling season and everything. Blood everyone had to stop matching everything. It was awesome. You should see his ear now. But it's getting better. But it was like, it's so hard to watch, like, when your kid's in pain, right? Like, man, I, went, I was so stressed during the wrestling tournament because it was like he's going through all this pain and all this stuff, right? And when your kid is sick, you're, go, you're going through it. So this guy comes to Jesus in desperation. He didn't care about whether Herod finds out, I'm sure. He's just like, I don't care. I, I, I want my son to live. I, I want to be okay. There's this helplessness. He's probably exhausted all other options. He was an official, so he, he probably had access to what health care they had. And that, that wasn't working out. Uh, and, and so he's desperate. And then Jesus tells him, go back home, your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and so he had to go, I, I, it was probably a day's walk. It, would, it was like about 20 miles. I know, I, I'm the kind of guy who gets out the maps and tries to figure out how far it is between towns. And they measure things by the old roads between things and, you know, how far the crow flies. How, I'm, that, I'm that nerdy guy sometimes trying to figure, it'd be about 20 miles. It would be like walking from here to Milford. I mean, it's quite, it's not like today, we jump in a car, we go all kinds of places. We don't, you don't even think anything, although you might with the price of gas right now, but you, you know, you're not thinking 20 miles is a big deal. It's, it's a commitment. I mean, some of you don't want to walk next door. <laughs> in California, there's, there's this funny movie, the guy gets out and he, he gets in the car and drives next door. And if you lived, ever lived in California, it's hilarious because in California, people, in some, anyone who lives in Southern California, you can testify, they don't drive, any, they, they don't go anywhere. I remember one time, you know, I, I was like, I, I went to school out there and the guy's like, hey, you, uh, you want to drive or you want me to drive? I'm like, drive? It's like, like a, a half, it's like a couple hundred yards. And so we got in the car and drove and it took longer to find a parking place when we got there than it would have taken to driven. That's, that's Californian. So it's kind of, and a lot of us don't want to, but his, this is a long walk The guy, It's a 20 miler. Who here's walked 20 miles this week? <laughs> You're like total, not today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> some of you run 20 miles, uh, <laughs> but most of us don't. It's, it's, a, it's a big walk. It says, while the man was on his way home, some of his servants met him and the, with the news that his son was alive and well. And they asked him when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, Yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. 
The father, then the father realized that this was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. Uh, and so why this sign? And, and again, you know, it would be fun for you if you want to, as we're going through the book of John, and I can tell you where we're going to land on the next sign, although you may be able to figure it out uh, on your own. To kind of, if you go through some of the stories, um, you know, kind of back in John 1-4, Jesus said, you know, the, the, the pro, it's called the prologue of John. It's, it's sort of a, a, an introduction to, to John's gospel, and it has some deep things in there. It says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And, you know, if you read the story right before, kind of John chapter 3, there's a guy, you know, I call him Nick at night because it's Nicodemus. He comes to Jesus at night. Another guy who's sort of afraid of the religious authorities uh, because he's like kind of in the in crowd there, but he sees Jesus doing some stuff and he's like, uh, you know, he's kind of coming to Jesus. Um, and Jesus talks to him about, hey, uh, you know, I've come to bring new life. You must be born again. It's a spiritual act that brings you into the kingdom. And so he has this conversation with Nicodemus. You can read that in, in chapter three. And that's why we get born again Christians. Sometimes people talk about, I remember in the, like, I grew up in the eighties and it's like people were like born again Christians. They were like the crazy Christians, but really, uh, <laughs> you have to be born again to be a Christian, right? I, and I didn't understand that growing up, but it's like, there's this spiritual rebirth. The spirit awakens you inside it's so and then there's the woman at the well in john chapter four and we, we've talked about this story in the past I, I can't remember the last time we did but you know th this woman who she's hanging out at the well the disciples go to get some you know food and stuff for jesus jesus is like the woman comes he's like hey um you know you know i got this living water you know and, and there's this conversation that ensues and he's you know hey you smartens a little off by what you believe but you know hey I, I'm the real life, and I'll give you living water. And Jesus said, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but, but who, who, those who drink the water I will give them will be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And, and so Jesus, he's about coming to give life. And that's, that's the sign points ultimately to Jesus, who is the one who gives life. He gives life to us. You know, he, uh, <laughs> and now, now he heals the son. But as we talked about, the death rate covers around 100%, right? I know some of us are uncomfortable with death. Uh, you know, there, <laughs> there, you pulled out a couple examples of people who are pulled from earth into heaven and everything. And you, there's Jesus, he died and he came back again. So, you know, we're, but, it, you know, pretty much all the rest of us, <laughs> if you're born, you live, you die. But and God, God, God heals, but it really it points to this thing that's so much bigger. Uh, you know, Nicodemus, going back to that story, he's a guy who looks like he has it right, right? He's the religious guy. He's got all the things. He, he's got the Christian t-shirts from youth group. He, he's doing the thing. He's got like, his kids have the Noah's Ark, you know, little bath toys. And th those were so cute. I loved having those with kids. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I, 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 love, I love the kids' toys. I, I could work in the nursery all day. There's, you know, Shout out to the nursery folks. Uh, but, you know, you know, in our culture, uh, you know, there's many who uh, esteem Jesus, look up to him, uh, but sometimes we don't really want to follow him. And that's kind of where Nicodemus was. He kind of had the rules done right, but he was kind of still, and he was drawn to Jesus, but he'd still, at that point, was kind of missing some things. He was doing the religious thing right, but missed Jesus. And in, in, in church, one of the dangers is we can be real good at doing the religious stuff, 
but really miss who Jesus is in the life that he brings. And um, this Samaritan woman, I, I always find her interesting. I, I, was, I was reading some stuff on a plane because I was stuck on a plane. Um, and so I was, read, I was reading uh, some things. There's different theories, and there's all kinds of cool things in that story, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it in the future again. But, but part of that, that whole story is, you know, the Samaritan woman, she's far from God. Now, we think Samaritan, we think, what, good Samaritan, right? You've heard, you've heard that term before. Uh, I think there's even a club or something, you know, uh, maybe, do they still have that? Anyone know? Anyway, but you think of good Samaritan as, as someone who does good, because Jesus tells a story, but, but, uh, and about the good Samaritan, which we weren't, we won't get into now, but basically in those days, the Samaritans sort of took the faith that God gave them when they came out of the Exodus, kind of mixed it with some other things, and they were a little off and different, and so the Jewish people and the Samaritans kind of didn't get along, Right? It would be like CR versus Dover, because <laughs> uh, we've got some Dover folks here, too. Uh, some of you don't get it, but if you're local, it's like the two school districts fight, fight. They, there used to be a football game between the two. They've had to shut it down for years because the fights got so bad. Now, we don't care anymore, because now it's like the CR kids all fight over whether they have to fight for or post to wait. And now there's Magnolia Middle School, so we don't know if it's going to be a three-way fight. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how we're going to do this. Um, CR keeps growing and growing, uh, you know, or think of, you know, Wyoming versus Camden, whatever, whatever your, your division is, you know, th there's, you know, th and Wyoming and Camden fight until Dover gets involved and they both fight against Dover. I don't know. It's, it's like siblings or something. Anyway, <laughs> you know, there, there's, you know, the Samaritans had kind of gotten a little astray and, and a lot of the Jewish people would think they're kind of beyond hope. They would, people would avoid going in there if they could, got avoid contact with them because they wanted to be like good religious people. But hey, here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus goes and he, he reaches out to the Samaritans, right? Because Jesus reaches out to those who are far away. And again, he gives them life. God pursues them. And ultimately, God pursues us. I mean, that's the good news of the gospel. I mean, there were times where I, I kind of was asking questions about God. That was good. But there were a lot of times where I was running in the other direction, right? But, but God pursues us. God reaches out to us. God wants this relationship with us. And, you know, religion is, you know, somehow uh, we, say, we think religion is kind of like somehow we, we can reach God if we're good enough. Right? Anyone grow up in a tradition where you kind of have to be good enough? Um, <laughs> it's like you kind of, I mean, I like some of the, I don't think we like set out like that, but it becomes, you know, if I follow all these rules, God will like me. Right? And then if you've ever tried to follow all the religious rules people make up, you can't do it. I, I was talking to someone recently and they're kind of, they're bound in a different faith and it's like, there's just this pressure to have everything right. Man, that's hard. Because deep inside, I screw up sometimes, right? <laughs> and, 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 you know, and I'm sure I'm the only one who struggles with that. But, the, you know, the rest of you might know someone who sins, too. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it's not about, you know, you know, can I be religious enough and can I get it all right? Now, once God comes and saves us, makes his home in us, the Holy Spirit cleans us, makes us up a little better. Don't, you know, he'll make us holy. He'll make us more like him. But it's not based on how good I am because I ultimately cannot be good enough, right? Because I got sin. I get mad when people, you know, cut me off on the way to the baggage carousel. I mean, you want to think about a sin. People in the airport, I think you see the basis 
instincts. Man, people will fight you to get off the plane. I'm like, we're all going to baggage claim. <laughs> and then, like, they will fight to get on the plane with their giant suitcases that are way too big to fit in the carry-on. Like, like, you, like I'm like, seriously, did you even check the little carry-on thing on the way on the... Anyone ever see... Uh, I just, I'll pay the extra money to send my bag out there so I don't have to worry about it. 30 bucks is worth it for me to not fight people in the airport over that, because I'll win, too. But I'm going to sin. But... <laughs> But, you know, but religion is kind of like, hey, can I make myself good enough? But, but Christianity is in our brokenness, Jesus comes. In our brokenness, Jesus comes to us, and he wants his relationship with us. And, and Jesus offers life, you know. <laughs> you know, and it's not, you know, you know, just seeing is believing. It's believing is seeing. And Jesus, Jesus heals, and it's a sign that he has this power to give life. Uh, and you know, John 10 10 it's uh, you know I, I quote that all the time uh, and I don't know what version I quote but it's the one I, I memorized in my head uh, John 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 10 10 the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy I have come that it, they might have life and have it to the full or have life abundantly another translation says and there's this full life this abundant life this different way of living uh, th- that we can have when we put our faith and our trust in Christ you know someone says insanity is doing the same things again and again and expecting different results I'm sure we've all heard that saying. Uh, if not, I'll say it again. Um, expect a different result. But, <laughs> but it's often the way we live. <laughs> um, but, but we need to trust in Jesus like the dad in this story. He trusts. He just goes on his way, right? He trusts that Jesus healed, that Jesus did the thing. And he finds out, hey, you know, Jesus did heal at that very moment. And ultimately, God's way is better when we live like he calls us to live. And when we live this way, we'll see results. <laughs> and now, it's hard sometimes, and we've been talking a lot about the Sermon on the Mount, um, that's, and that's in Matthew. Some of us read it. It was fun to watch in the Matthew challenge when people got to that chapter because people are just like, some of the comments were, there's a lot to process in that chapter. I'm going to have to get back with you because we were doing like a discussion online because there's a lot in that. Anyone ever read the Sermon on the Mount? You're like, if you read Matthew, you did. It's, it's, that, it's that real thick red part in the beginning because if you have a Bible with, they put Jesus' words in red, and it's important that they be read. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it's hard stuff, right? Because forgiving people, that's hard stuff. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's easy to forgive somebody for like, you know, maybe if they cut you off in traffic, it's harder when they deeply hurt you. And there's whole, there's, you know, whether that stores a relationship, that's a bigger discussion <laughs> uh, to be had. But, 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 you know, it's hard to love people sometimes. It's easy to love people who love us. It's easy to love lovable people. But sometimes we've got to love people who, you know, <laughs> don't love us so well. You know, it, it, it's, it's hard to be humble at times, especially when you're as great as I am. <laughs> little, little Muhammad Ali, for those of you who know it. Uh, you know, it, it's hard sometimes to get rid of the, the anger and things we have. But, but, but when we live the way, can check out the Sermon on the Mount, when we live the way Jesus calls us to live, it, 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 we have more peace. Our life works better. We live life to the full. And we're truly... We'll live the way we're, we're called to live. Um, you know, it's often said, actions speak louder than words. Uh, and one way to really live the gospel in our culture, it, it, to be countercultural, is just live the words of Jesus out. Uh, now, there's, there's a, you know, I, I can't remember, um, 
there was a, someone said one time is preach the gospel continuously and if necessary use words it's, it's often attributed to france saint francis of assisi we're pretty sure he didn't say it uh but you know you know it's funny because i i was at a conference one time and a friend of mine flipped out on that saying because he hated it um his point was you have to use words you have to preach the gospel and i believe that's true and if you go on websites they'll say the same thing i, I do believe it's we have to verbalize our faith but, I, but what, the, what the author of that quote, whoever it was, was trying to say is, you know, uh, you know, again, preach the gospel continuously and if necessary use words, is your life should be shaped differently because of your faith. You know, it, it's really the kind of, it's kind of like a joke has a punchline at the end. <laughs> you preach, but you were, anyway. <laughs> if you don't get the saying, you don't get the saying. But our lives should be shaped differently because of following Jesus. You should be a different kind of employee because you follow Jesus. You should be a different kind of boss because you follow Jesus. You, you, I interact differently with my wife as a believer than I would have been as a non-believer. Now, it doesn't mean that as, uh, before I was a believer, I was a horrible person. I did have some problems, trust me. You know, some of you knew me. <laughs> but if, if I'm really following Jesus, I conform my life to the way he'd have me live. And so I forgive. I love. I, I work on humility. I get rid of anger. I do all these things. And with our friends will be different, and, and the whole world will be different when we live the words of Jesus. And, and that's why ultimately our lives can be changed, and we'll see God transform people with his love, his grace, and his mercy.